What is going on, everybody? Welcome back here to another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Nathan King. It's been a little bit. Hope everybody had a good holiday season. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hope everybody had some good off time to catch up, hang out with family, and stay safe. Now seems like a little bit back into the swing of things, certainly with Auburn sports. Um, There was a lot going on over the holiday season. Haven't had a podcast here since before Christmas, so wanted to catch up and talk in this one. We're going to riff a little bit about Auburn's roster management, kind of the turnover that's been happening um, on the roster. Notably, last night, as or excuse me, tonight, as of just a couple hours ago, um, one of the bigger transfers for Auburn in terms of an outgoing transfer. Um, they had two on Monday to leave the program via the transfer portal. Um, or to intend to, excuse me, um, two players that are now on their way out in the morning. It was defensive lineman uh, Dre Butler. Not a huge surprise there when you look at the depth. I mean, this defensive line is is going to be the strength of this team. Um, there's really no question with that. Um, when you look at guys like Colby Wooden was returning, I know Derek Hall doesn't play that interior defensive line position, but um, he's coming back as well. Marquise Burks the defensive tackle who rotated at nose tackle behind Tony fair this season. Um, Tony fair is the, really the only guy that UAB transfer who played his fifth season at Auburn uh, as a, as the nose tackle. He's the only guy that's really on his way out this season. Um, not of his own accord. He's exhausted his eligibility. So you're looking at that. Um, and there's a ton of other scholarship players that are going to be returning. And Auburn picked up um, former four-star Jason Jones, the Oregon transfer, an in-state kid. He was a top 15 recruit in the 2020 class, the defensive lineman. They picked him up last week as well. So it was there was bound to be some movement. Um, I don't think it would be super surprising if there were more movement as well um, in the transfer portal from that defensive line. But Dre Butler, the, the former JUCO product, um, his former number one JUCO recruit um, at his position, former four-star guy, came in, was pretty good in a pinch um, in 2020. He had a pair of tackles for loss and a sack. Um, if you remember that Texas A&M game, he played pretty well um, in 2020. And then this season, uh, his production and kind of just his role overall really diminished um, within the, the defensive front. Obviously, Auburn didn't rotate very many guys up there, but he was certainly not one of those guys that came in. Super often, he was the seventh, seventh or eighth, depending on how you look at it, most utilized um, interior defensive lineman that Auburn had. So not a big surprise. Um, he's a talented player who's now going to look elsewhere. Um, he already got a couple offers um, during the day, Western Kentucky and Marshall. So um, should be should be bouncing somewhere else pretty soon. But yeah, Dre Butler um, leaves from the defensive front. And then the big one, and this is an interesting story. This is something that will... Um, As we kind of peel off the layers over the next few days, uh, more should come out of this. But a big, big blow for Auburn's offense, really, regardless of how you look at it. Kobe Hudson, Auburn's number one receiver this season, their leading receiver in catches, receptions um, and touchdowns or excuse me, catches, (laughs) catches, yards and touchdowns, leaving the team. Um, He posted on Instagram that he was on his way out. Um, It's a bit of a cryptic post talking about um, 
someone from the north who didn't understand him. Not sure if that's uh, that's Brian Harson could be his wide receivers coach Eric Keesaw. Don't want to speculate, but um, that just seems to be where things were kind of pointing for him, saying that he was on his way out of the program. And then later, uh, about thirty minutes later, he posted right as we were kind of working on getting it posted and talking to people and um, folks were telling us, yeah, you know, he's not. This was kind of a news to everybody. All of a sudden on Monday night, he is not officially in the transfer portal, but he does intend to leave the program. He is on his way out from the program. He posted later that he was kicked off the team. He posted that on his Instagram story. Now he quickly deleted that. Um, But basically he said he was dismissed from the program. Check in with some people. That seems to be the case um, as well. And so um, just kind of a shocking situation that kind of came to pass pretty quickly um, that Auburn's number one receiver is no longer with the team next season. And so he was a guy that, again, had a lot of production for them, 44 catches, 580 yards, 13 and a half yards per catch and four touchdowns. All of that um, it was the best on the team. Um, he was one of Auburn's best players down the stretch of the season. He had three touchdowns in his last three games. Obviously, he had Auburn's only touchdown in regulation against Alabama. He had their only touchdown in the bowl game as well. He seemed to have a pretty good rapport um, with TJ Finley. They're pretty good friends as well. And so Auburn now in a situation where remember last season, we were talking all about how Auburn was coming back, only had 23 receptions returning on the roster because they were losing three guys to the NFL. Obviously, Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, and Eli Stove were all off to the NFL. Well, it looks like Auburn, not, obviously, it's not going to be an NFL type situation because these are not probably not NFL receivers, but they could be losing their top three receivers once again. Hudson is the number one receiver. He's on his way out. Shedrick Jackson, people have been talking about a lot, obviously, that he could use um, his f- fifth season. He could exercise that free year of eligibility and return to the program. Um, you know, that COVID year that everybody got in 2020 because he's played four seasons with the program. But if you look at his comments, what he talked about, uh, Mark Murphy wrote a story about it on Christmas Eve um, during that bowl practice that Auburn had. If you kind of talk about his comments, he, he pretty much was saying that that was going to be his last game at the bowl game was going to be his last game overall kind of the way he was contextualizing things and just the language he was using made it sound like that was going to be his last game. Now he's probably got a little bit of a decision to make. I think you know, it depends on what the staff wants him to do. They could, they could, you know, try to persuade him to come back if they want him to not sure if they do or not. So he's, he still has yet to officially announce that he's the number two receiver on the team in terms of both receptions and yards. Obviously he had a big finish to the season um, against South Carolina on the road had a hundred yard game there. Best, best game of his career. Um, but he was pretty inconsistent before that 527 yards and a score. Um, and then the number three receiver is on his way out as well. Demetrius Robertson, the Georgia transfer who came in and was their leading receiver at the start of the year, 489 yards on the season, four touchdowns, um, five touchdowns from scrimmage overall. Cause he had a rushing touchdown earlier in the year as well. He had a lot of struggles down the stretch, but this was his sixth college season. He was already using his COVID year um, to transfer to Auburn. And so he is out of eligibility. And so if Shedrick Jackson does not return now with Kobe Hudson's decision, Auburn's only bringing back one guy in the receiving core. Now I will say it is a big deal that John Samuel Shanker just a couple days ago, the tight end, that's not something we've had a chance to talk about on here yet. The tight end said that he's coming back for his, his using his COVID year, his free COVID season to come back. Obviously, he had the best receiving season by a tight end in Auburn history in the bowl game. Um, 33 catches, 413 yards on the season in the bowl game. 
um, he got himself to where he had the most receptions and the most yards by any tight end in a single season in program history. And so he was a really, really big beneficiary of the Mike Bobo offense um, and the Brian Harson offense. It doesn't seem like that'll change much. There will still be a big reliance on tight ends next season, even though Mike Bobo is out because Brian Harson has a history of that as well. So that's really big. There is a very conceivable situation where John Samuel Shanker is Auburn's top receiver next year. They really just continue to lean on him in the passing game. Obviously Auburn will be busy in the transfer portal now, but you lose losing Demetrius Robertson as well. So you're losing your top three guys. Um, their best returning receiver is Javarius Johnson, who dealt with some injury issues. He played in eight games. He's the only receiver on the roster right now that returns that had double digit catches. He had 19 receptions, 274. He had the highest yards per catch average on the team, 14.4. You can think of a couple big plays by him early in the season against Akron. He had a big touchdown against Arkansas um, as well, 14.4 yards per, per reception for him. Other than that, nobody else has double digit catches. The other top receiver coming back. Malcolm Johnson Jr. and Xavier Capers both have six receptions. Uh, Johnson Jr. has 82 yards and a touchdown this season. And then obviously some people were, were surprised with Xavier Capers production, went from being a true freshman that had seven catches and a touchdown to actually his numbers going down, only six catches for 54 yards. And so 12 plus 19, now you're looking at 31 receptions coming back from this receiving core next year. We're not going to include... Um, John Samuel Shanker and that just talking about the receivers in general last year, it was 23 catches coming back. So we're kind of back in that same situation and Auburn will again, look to its newcomers. They're going to be looking to a transfer would be a big surprise if they didn't bring in another guy like a Demetrius Robertson. I think they would want this one to turn out a little bit better than Robertson, just because Robertson had a lot of inconsistencies down the stretch of the season. Um, just wasn't a very consistent player when the ball was thrown his way. He had a bunch of drops or near drops. And then obviously he was benched in his punt return role once Javarius Johnson got healthy, but they'd like to bring in a transfer. And then you've got three freshmen. And we have talked before about, you know, looking back at that 2020 class at receiver um, that they had, there were a bunch of four stars there at the position talking about Kobe Hudson's not there anymore. Um, Elijah Canyon from that class, obviously transferred out a few weeks ago. He um, landed with Purdue on signing day. And so Auburn's got three freshman receivers. Right now, uh, Amari Kelly from Hewitt Trustville is the highest rated. He's a four-star. That's a big play guy. You're going to want to push the ball downfield to him. You've got Jay Fair from Texas, a three-star. He might be one of the fastest players on the roster once he shows up. And then Camden Brown is a big body receiver, six foot three, 200 pounds um, from Florida. He's going to be a guy that's going to be a possession type receiver. Reminds me a lot of a young Seth Williams. So we'll see how he develops within this team. And, and you're going to need one of those guys, plus a guy like a Tavares Dawson, who only played a handful of plays last season, didn't have any touches. Um, TJ Finley threw him the ball in the bowl game, and he was open, but he overthrew him down the sideline. Would have been a touchdown for his first career reception. You're going to need guys like that to step up, um, and you're going to need more production out of those guys, barring something unforeseen happening, because um, it's a dicey situation now in the receiving core. You're, you're, you're losing, obviously, Bo Nix. You're losing all your production in the passing game, minus the last few games when you had TJ Finley. Um, and then now you're losing the number one receiver as well. So it's a big offensive overhaul right now. Leaning on Tank Bixby is going to be huge. And you wanted this offense to be a little bit more balanced so that you don't get into situations like you did this year where people just loaded the box and wanted to stop Tank Bixby. Plus, we don't know how good that run blocking is going to be. They're losing a lot of players up front on the offensive line. And so 
yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a tough situation right now. I think a lot of people are trying to talk themselves into it not being a big loss. Um, doesn't have to be the end of the world, but it's certainly anytime you lose your number one receiver. Um, and anyone who was watching this receiving core closely down the stretch of the season, even somewhat closely, realized that Kobe Hudson was the best player on the on the in the room by a pretty significant margin. Everyone else had a lot more inconsistencies. Um, and just wasn't didn't kind of give the same production on a game by game basis. He had six games with at least 50 yards. Nobody else in the receiving core had that. Um, and so he had his you know fair share of drops like everybody else did. But in terms of scoring and in terms of game by game production was easily Auburn's best player in the receiving core by the end of the season. So we'll see how Brian Harson and that offensive staff go about replacing him um, in terms of other changes that have been made on the roster as we kind of look ahead. I'm um, talking about the quarterback position. You've got those three guys right now. Holden Gurner just did um, his All-American stuff, his Under Armour All-American game stuff this past week um, was kind of impressive. There there's a lot of takeaways from people um, at that site where that he certainly belongs in that group of elite quarterbacks. Saw a lot of people talking about how he's going to be able to contend as soon as he gets to Auburn. So that'll be an interesting quarterback battle. Again, we're going to talk about that this entire offseason, but you got Finley and Demetrius Davis. As well, Auburn is looking in the transfer portal. Jason Caldwell for us reported um, that Zach Calzada from Texas A&M is likely set to take a visit um, at Auburn in the next couple weeks. So we'll see if he's the kind of guy that Auburn wants to go all out for um, and bring in. So you're talking about two straight seasons of maybe bringing in an SEC West transfer, depending on what his decision looks like. And so Auburn is is in the transfer portal for a quarterback 100% with Bo Nix off to Oregon. It'll just be interesting to see what kind of guy they go for. Certainly um, a guy like a Zach Calzada is a pocket passer. He's the kind of pro style quarterback um, that Brian Harson has looked for. He's a guy a lot more like, you know, in the vein of a TJ Finley than a Bo Nix. He's certainly a guy that's going to make his plays with his arm. Uh, we saw that throughout this season. And so keep y'all updated on that um, and the quarterback kind of recruiting in the transfer portal right now. There's a lot of good ones. I mean, Caleb Williams entered um, today, he instantly becomes the top overall player. Talking about the, the freshman quarterback from Oklahoma who had the really big season. He instantly becomes the top quarterback overall. And it doesn't seem like he's going back to Oklahoma because as soon as he decommitted, um, or excuse me, as soon as he entered the transfer portal, Dylan Gabriel flipped from UCLA to Oklahoma, which now we're at the point where we have transfer portal flips, guys who are committing and then a couple weeks later changing their commitment in the transfer portal. So just craziness. The offseason just gets crazier um, every year in terms of transfers and all that stuff. And so um, we'll see if Auburn has a shot with a guy like him. Haven't heard anything um, about that yet. Obviously, something like a big NIL deal is probably going to be in the cards here as well. So you're looking at his situation. It might be a rich get richer kind of thing as well. Um, and USC obviously makes a lot of sense with him going back with Lincoln Riley. So we'll see if that comes to pass. But yeah, Auburn's looking for another quarterback in the transfer portal right now. We'll see how that visit goes. Keep y'all updated with a guy like a Zach Calzada. No more changes at running back at the moment. Um, Damari Alston is going to come in, the four-star freshman from Atlanta. Auburn's hoping he can pretty quickly take over that number three running back role with Sean Shivers out. We talked about John Samuel Shankers. Now we move down to tight end. That's probably Auburn's second best group on the roster behind the defensive line, just in terms of what they bring back. Um, you can make an argument for the linebacking core because Owen Papo 
is returning. That's something we'll get to when we start to talk about the defense. You make an argument for the linebacking core, uh, but Papa is really the only guy with any sort of substantial experience. And then the secondary will be pretty good. They bring back a couple starters, um, guys that have a lot of production over the course of the past couple seasons, but really no superstar kind of standout players. Um, but really you look back and there hasn't always been that Roger McCreary kind of developed into that um, out of the blue when he was taking over at that number one cornerback spot a couple years ago. So down the line in the offense now, offensive line, we haven't gotten um, a ton of news about recently. Austin Troxel, we are still waiting, talking about that left tackle spot, still waiting on his official decision, though. Um, it seemed kind of the way he was talking before the bowl game. It seemed like that was going to be his last game. He's been at Auburn for a really long time now. Um, and so it would know, be a little bit surprising to see him come back, but it's still a decision he's mulling over because he hasn't um, officially shared it yet. They're obviously going to bring back Killian Zaire, who had a lot of playing time here at the end of the season, had a trio of starts down the stretch of the year. So Auburn's hoping he'll develop into a little bit better player and an opportunity to be a starter in 2022. Auburn is deep in the transfer portal on the offensive line as well. That's not a huge um, surprise. The transfer from Cornell um, put Auburn in his top five today. So he's one of the higher rated offensive guards um, in the portal right now. So we'll see if he ends up deciding to come to Auburn because the guard spot might be a little thin, especially if a guy like Alec Jackson doesn't come back. We're still waiting on three decisions on the offensive line. Austin Troxel, Nick Brahms, the center, which seems unlikely that he'll come back um, as well. Another guy that's been at Auburn for a while, but also has not made anything official. And then Alec Jackson, who has played guard the past couple seasons in, or excuse me, played left tackle last season, and then um, was a backup guard this year who rotated in like a couple other O-linemen did in kind of starting situations during the game. And so, you know, you talk about returning production along the offensive line and, you know, the glass half full perspective for Auburn is going to be, well, this offensive line had a lot of troubles um, and it'd be a lot better to get new bodies in there and kind of develop some new faces. But the glass half empty is that you're losing um, a lot of these guys. You're losing a lot of seniors, losing guys that have starting um, experience. Brandon Council is gone. Tayshawn Manning transferred to Kentucky. Brodarius Ham is off to the NFL after opting out of the bowl game. That He was probably one of your best. He and Tayshawn Manning were Auburn's two most consistent offensive linemen this season. So we'll see how that goes. Um, for them as they continue to look through the transfer portal. They did get some news on the offensive line um, on New Year's Day with Braden Joyner. That's a really, really big pickup. Um, he's an interior offensive lineman. He, he's kind of projected as a guard or a center, uh, probably center is the, what you're looking at for him. Local guy from Auburn High. So now back-to-back classes where Auburn is bringing in an offensive lineman from Auburn High. In this class, you had Eston Harris, the three-star offensive tackle. And then in next year's class, you're bringing in Braden Joyner, who's a four-star, really good player. Um, that's that's a good pickup for them. You kick off your 2023 class with a local kid who's a blue-chip recruit and as an offensive lineman. So not much more you can ask for um, if you're Auburn than that. But unfortunately, he can't help out in the 2022 season, which is what they need right now. So we'll see how the offensive staff handles that one. Moving on now to the defensive line, we already talked about Jason Jones, the Oregon transfer. Um, really big news for Auburn to get Colby Wooden and Derek Hall both back. I think everybody looked at the three guys in the defensive front, or kind of the front seven, Colby Wooden, Derek Hall, and Owen Papo there at linebacker, and said, look, if Auburn can get, you know, it seems likely, it seems like all three of those guys are leaning toward coming back. It doesn't seem like they have incredibly high NFL stock right now, although a guy like Colby Wooden, I was told, had might have had a third or fourth round grade in terms of a 
of a really high upside. I think his kind of average was you know more like fifth or sixth. But if he had performed well, he had a good combine, he had tested well, all that kind of stuff. Um, that that NFL scouts are really impressed with what he did this season. So I think you, a lot of people were looking at those three guys and saying, look, if Auburn can get two out of the three back, particularly getting back the linebacker Owen Papo, because like we talked about, he does, you don't have much experience there behind him then that would be big. So Auburn gets all three of them back. Um, it really looks like that defensive front is going to be the strength of the team. Talking about the, the interior, also getting Marquise Burks back, Marcus Harris, the Kansas transfer will be back. JJ Pegues rotated well this season after moving over from tight end. You're getting him back as well on the edge. Derek Hall and Ekuliota should be the starter on the other side because TD Moultrie has now exhausted his eligibility and is off to the NFL as well. By the way, he didn't have any more eligibility. A lot of people were talking on our board about him posting that he's declaring for the NFL draft. And people are saying, oh, I would have liked to see him come back. Uh, maybe he could have you know, turned into an NFL player, you know, a, a better NFL prospect. And well, he didn't have any more eligibility. <laughs> it's kind of just a post saying, see you later, Auburn. He, he didn't need to declare for the NFL draft because he didn't have any eligibility left. But um, he was Auburn, you know, one of Auburn's most improved players, if not the most improved player. Um, on that defense, seven and a half tackles for loss was easily the best of his career. But Ekuliota had an even better season. And so you're bringing back your top two pass rushers, your top two sack guys in Derek Hall and Ekuliota. Romello Height uh, rotated there as well. Auburn hopes that a guy like a Dylan Brooks, who was the number one recruit in last year's class for Auburn, their number one overall, their top rated signee. He didn't play at all this year, uh, but maybe he could develop into a rotational player in his second season. And so really just overall, you look at this defensive front, maybe they need to fashion a guy that's going to be um, a full-time nose tackle. Maybe you just get a guy like a Marquise Burks and just kind of focus him on that position because you don't have a guy like a Tony Fair who contributed like, you know, 10 to 15 snaps a game. But his, his role was very set in stone where he was just going to be that plugger type player. Um, so we'll see if we see if they do that, something like that with a guy like a Marquise Burks. Um, Owen Papo comes back in the linebacking core. He is going to be the number one player there by a huge margin. Guys like Cam Riley and Wesley Steiner should have an opportunity um, to step up behind him. They've been waiting their turn for the past couple seasons as backup. So we'll see how well they step into starting roles. And then I think it's a pretty, it's pretty significant that a guy like Robert Woodyard, the former Alabama commit who Auburn flipped on signing day was a really big pickup for them. Four-star linebacker is the number one overall player for Auburn. It's the top rated player in this class. It's a big deal that he's at that position. I think that's helpful. He's a guy that could certainly play day one when you're looking at kind of a thin linebacker rotation right now. Just, just not a bunch of guys who have proven themselves past Owen Papo. And so it wouldn't be surprising to see a guy like Woodyard um, overtake some of those guys or even become a starter overall alongside Owen Papo. So we'll see how that plays out in the secondary. Obviously, Roger McCreary and Smoke Monday made it official Monday that Monday is on his way out. He's not going to use um, another year of eligibility to come back. Probably the best decision for him. He will likely be drafted. He got an NFL combine um, invites. And now Jalen Simpson at cornerback probably takes over in that top spot. Zion Puckett is going to be Auburn's uh, starting safety again next season. We'll see who who lines up beside him. You have some different options um, by Darius Knighton, the FCS transfer um, had only one season to play at Auburn. He only had only one season eligibility left. So he will be, he will not be back um, either, but a guy like a Donovan Kaufman, he played in the nickel and at safety, the Vanderbilt transfer. I could really see him moving back to a full-time starting safety role. He was actually a really good player 
down the stretch of the season. Nickel is really interesting um, to see what they do there because Ladarius Tennyson, I think, would have had a really good opportunity to play next season because you're going to be moving. You know, he maybe could have played safety or you're moving somebody else back to safety. He would have had a big opportunity there at Nickel, but he transferred um, right after the end of the regular season, ended up at Ole Miss. And so at Nickel, you could put a guy like a Nehemiah Pritchett in there. He played a lot of Nickel, but he can also play that boundary cornerback spot. You could put him in there and just have him play nickel like they did for a lot of this season. And then the question becomes the other cornerback. But they, I mean, they've recruited so well at that position. Um, they have three four-star corners in this class alone, including the number one overall Juco cornerback in uh, Keontae Scott. Jadarian Rhyme is a really good player in the class as well. And then out of those three guys, Austin Asbury um, from, the, from Baton Rouge. I was about to say from the LSU, <laughs> from Baton Rouge. Um, comes over to Auburn in this class. He's their top-rated defensive back in here. Um, he could certainly play day one at cornerback as well. And so now getting along to the specialists, it's kind of running down Auburn's roster turnover as of late. Getting down to the specialists, um, it's still up in the air whether Anders Carlson is going to come back. It doesn't seem super likely since he's got that ACL <clears throat> injury, um, considering he probably won't play at the start of the season. But we'll see. You know, He, he hasn't made a decision yet on whether he's going to use his COVID year and come back to Auburn. But if you watch that all American game, um, Auburn's got a guy coming in who has plenty of leg. Obviously the number one kicker in the country, Alex McPherson, um, Auburn's going to hope he'll be a player for them in special teams on day one. And then it's a really big deal that they're bringing back Oscar Chapman. I mean, Oscar Chapman was maybe the most underrated weapon on this entire team. Um, just very consistently pinning the opposition deep in their own territory, very accurate punts. He had a big game in the Iron Bowl, lots of punts inside the 20 over the course of the season. Um, he ended the regular season number one in the SEC in net punting. So that just means, you know, yards, you know, take the yards that you punt the ball away, minus the average yards the opponent returns it. Auburn didn't allow very many returns this season. And so him and his return team had a really good year, ended, ended the season number one. I believe after bowl season, they were like number two in the SEC. And so, he was a really good weapon, big deal for him to come back and help out that special teams unit next season. So appreciate everybody for listening to this edition of the Auburn Undercover podcast. Kind of just wanted to run down what we've looked at recently in terms of this roster management. Riding solo right now, Jason is coming back um, from a small vacation. So we'll get back and have another one of those this week. If you guys are listening to this on Tuesday morning, Auburn basketball plays South Carolina tonight. That's always a significant game. Even when you look back the past few seasons, of the Bruce Pearl era. They won the SEC against South Carolina during that regular season. And then earlier in the year, that game was significant because that's when Anthony McLemore had his injury. Um, a couple years later, that was Devin Cambridge's breakout game. You talk about when he's on fire at home and able to hit all those three pointers. That was really the first one he had. I think he had like 29 points as a true freshman. Last season was the only game for Auburn SEC play where they scored over 100 points and so now it's their first road game of sec play so south carolina is always a significant game for auburn and frank martin's team always gives bruce pearl um, some trouble they're always a difficult physical team there in the sec that bruce pearl has a lot of respect for and so they shoot really well at home they're physical on the defensive side going to be a really big test for auburn and as bruce pearl noted yesterday it'll be their third true road game of the season how did their first two go well they were down 19 at usf and they were down 13 at st louis Came back and won both those games. So that's obviously the most encouraging part in that regard, but didn't really do it the way they wanted to. They're going to be looking for a more 
Consistent performance, South Carolina is 9-3 and three on the season. They did not play their SEC opener last week because of COVID issues, but it seems like they're going to be either full strength or very close to full strength in this game. Auburn will be full strength, or at least as of yesterday. Devin Cambridge was back at practice. He missed the SEC opener for Auburn with COVID protocols that allowed Alan Flanagan to return to the starting lineup in only his second game back from that Achilles injury. He played 29 minutes, Bruce Pearl said. It's probably too much. Bruce Pearl's kind of frustrated with himself, honestly, um, about letting Flanagan play that much, but that's just kind of how the rotation worked out against LSU. So don't be surprised, you know, for Alan Flanagan's minutes to come back down into the teens with a guy like a Devin Cambridge. Bruce Pearl really doesn't want to rush Flanagan. He wants him kind of by the meat of SEC play, by the middle to the end, to be back feeling like himself. But he did note, which was obviously a big positive, that he didn't feel like the additional wear and tear for Flanagan really bothered him. He didn't feel like he acted any different the next couple of days. He didn't feel like he was fatigued at practice. He didn't feel like it bothered the, you know, his leg at all in terms of, you know, he's a, he's a player that's, you know, likes to drive to the basket and you know, you wonder how much power he's got after that surgery said, he didn't really feel like that was an issue. Um, and Flanagan was pretty good for Auburn. He had a big three pointer there at the end of the game, um, had a lot of good passes as well and looked pretty natural there in the starting lineup. I don't think he is as confident a scorer right now, as he will be as he continues to grow in comfort after that injury, but um, good looking player um, as he comes back. And so we'll see if he's back in the starting lineup. I would expect to maybe to put Devin Cambridge back in there. That way you just have the option of bringing Flanagan off the bench. You can manage, you can manage his minutes a little easier um, that way, but we'll see. We'll see. Bruce Pearl said he's very comfortable right now um, and that Flanagan's not really playing timid or <clears throat> like he's hurt. And so you probably have a lot more options than you maybe expected. At this point, I think I don't know if Auburn expected Bruce Pearl expected him to be back this soon in terms of looking like, you know, they wanted him back on the court. But in terms of looking like the player um, that he did last season in most regards and not feeling like that injury bothers him and, and moving at pretty high speeds, um, I think Auburn's pretty surprised by that. So it gives them a lot more options. So we'll see how this deep rotation continues to help Auburn three out of the next four games. Um, are on the road in the SEC. That's a really big challenge. You got Florida at home on Saturday. That'd be a nice win for Auburn to notch at home. And then um, on Tuesday at Alabama, that's going to be now with the trajectory of both these programs with Alabama sort of coming up to the top and matching Auburn in terms of its rise in the SEC, winning the SEC, both SEC championships last season. Always going to be a really big game. Both of those basketball Iron Bowls are going to be really, really fun pretty much for the foreseeable future, as long as these two coaches are here. And so um, if you're an Auburn fan going to that game, you probably hope Alabama doesn't win the national championship the night, <laughs> the night before um, in football, because you'll probably hear about it a lot. So, but a really interesting, you know, fun next week coming up for Auburn as we get into the meat of this sec schedule. So again, appreciate everybody for listening. Um, be sure to enjoy the game tonight. Check out auburnundercover.com. We'll have all kinds of coverage from the South Carolina game. Um, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can find him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode, I will catch you guys later, everybody. Have a great rest of the week.